Welcome to another special edition of Crosswalk. Vision, it's one of the greatest blessings we have, and one many of us probably take for granted. But what about a church? Does a church have vision? We're continuing our series entitled Cross Culture Reconnect, and today Pastor Clay is going to walk us through the vision for Cross Culture Church. As you'll hear today, Cross Culture Church's vision for the future may sound bold, but we believe nothing is too difficult for our God. We also believe God wants to see people come into a relationship with Him. And Cross Culture Church wants to be used by God to change the eternal destinies of as many as possible. Now here's Pastor Clay with this week's Cross Culture Reconnect. Uh, We're in Cross Culture Reconnect, and and we've looked at uh, a few things so far up to this point. One of the things that we have looked at is that we have restated our name, and we we walk through what does that mean? What is our name? What is it about? It's it's not just a name. It's not just a a logo that that there's actually a a meaning behind what our name is, and and hopefully you heard that, and if you didn't, you can always go back and listen to those messages and understand that everything that we do as a church, there's some intentionality to what we do as a church, and we want people to understand that. We've restated our name. Then we we said we we reintroduce our strategy, and at this point in the life of cross-culture church, we have basically a a two-prong or two-leg approach uh, to ministry, our small group gathering with what we call life groups, and the small groups of people that gather different Places all over uh, Wake and Durham County and other places gather to uh, just do life together, and that's an important part. And then last week we talked more about the other leg of our, our two-leg approach, and that is the large gathering, corporate worship, and what does that look like, and and uh, what does it mean to gather and and worship and and serve and those those types of things. And so we've restated our uh, reintroduced our strategy. And then last week I, I just took you through a little bit of rekindling our passion. What what is our passion? What is our passion statement? Why is that important? What does it matter? Are there just words on a page, or is there something to this idea? And, and I mentioned it that that you have to have a passion before you can really introduce your purpose. You have to know what you're passionate about if you're going to have any purpose in your life or in the life of a church. And we'll start on our purpose next week. So in the time remaining today, what do we look at for just a few moments? I I have a confession to make. The older I get, uh, the uh, worse my eyesight seems to get. Uh, I, I used to just be like, you know, I could spot anything from a mile away, you know, and even if I couldn't, I would pretend I could. Oh yeah, I see, I see that minnow in that eagle's claw. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, I could just, I could see, I could see everything. Uh, but then it just seemed like as the years went by, you know, uh, finally I had to start, I had to get some reading glasses. How I many of you got reading glasses? I had to get some reading glasses and, you know, I have to use those when I read and that kind of stuff. And then, and then uh, earlier this year I had to finally go to like what's supposed to be full-time glasses, but I still don't wear them full-time because I can't get used to them and all this kind of stuff. But the older I get, I've discovered that the the more my vision seems to get out of focus. So here's the question I want you to consider this morning in the time that we have left. Is it possible for that to happen to a church? Is it possible for for a church, the older that it gets, to begin to lose its vision? Now, uh, we have just uh, passed the four-year mark of cross-culture church, four years since we launched as a church. Now, uh, church 
growth people say that a church really doesn't, at least in America, the statistics are a church doesn't really get established and normally, on average, doesn't get really established and get going until about the fifth year of its existence. That's when it really begins to gain some traction. It's when it really begins to become firmly established as a church. And, and so in that respect, uh, you know, we're really not that old of a church. And in that respect, we're really kind of just getting this thing going. But is it possible that as we have progressed in this thing that, our, that we have lost focus of our vision? So maybe it's time to take a few moments and just kind of refocus, refocus our vision. We have a vision statement here at Cross Culture Church. Most, uh, many churches do. Most corporations, most companies have vision statements. A vision statement is designed basically to say, here's, here's, our, here, here's where we're going. Here's the direction that we're headed, and in this case, as a church, here's what we think is our vision for the future. Some of you may be seeing this for the very first time. This is the vision statement of Cross Culture Church. To glorify God as a diverse mix of peoples, sharing our lives together and growing in our understanding of what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus while growing numerically to at least 3,000 in attendance on the main campus with satellite campuses placed strategically throughout the RTP community and elsewhere to engage our culture with the claims of Jesus Christ. That is the vision statement of Cross Culture Church. I will be honest with you. I have given a lot of thought to our vision statement in the weeks in preparation for this series that we would be doing. Because here we are, four years into this thing, and we're still trying to break 200 on a regular basis in attendance, and here I am standing here talking about 3,000 in attendance. So I've given a lot of thought to this idea and, and, and where we are as a focus and what that means to say we want to be a church where at least 3,000 people attend. By the way, uh, that number... That 3,000 number uh, is not, uh, I really wish I had some great spiritual story to tell you. I I wish I could sit here and tell you that, you know, uh, God woke me up in the middle of the night and said, ask me for 3,000. But I can't honestly say, as best I can remember, uh, looking back at it, that that God necessarily said, ask me for 3,000 or anything else. That number is primarily based on the statistical information of the community in which we live and on what I believe God wants to do, which I'll talk about in just a moment. So it's based on the statistical information of the community in which this church currently exists. Would you like to see that statistical information? All right. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you didn't say no. (laughs) All right. You might find this interesting. You might find this interesting. Let me show you a map that that my brother Will Brown put together for me. Uh, Isn't that interesting? (laughs) That is a map, and I know it may not be the easiest thing in the world to see, but that is a map of a one-mile radius around Leesville Road High School, or the Leesville Road School System in general. Uh, You can probably pick it out right there in the center, is the the schools right there, the Leesville Road School Systems. That is a one-mile radius around there. Now, you can probably tell all the little curvy, snaky, wormy-looking things are neighborhoods. Those are streets on which houses exist, and in those houses exist people, families, mothers and fathers and children, white and black and brown and red and 
They're all in those houses there. Within that one mile radius, statistically speaking, there is just shy of 9,000 people. 8,887 or something like that. Just shy of 9,000 people live within a one mile radius of this School. So, if we said, well, you, you know, you're saying that Cross Culture Church wants to reach uh, 3,000 people. So, if you uh, do the math, and I'm not the, the, the best math whiz in the world, but if we say it's 9,000 people, then uh, uh, let's see, uh, 10% of that would be 900 people. So, we're asking for 3,000, that's 9, 18, 27. So, I'm asking for just over 30% of that population for Cross Culture to reach. That's, that, that would be a pretty bold goal, 30%. Now, you could look at it the other way and say, well, there's still 70% of the people that, you, that aren't, they're still out there, so really 30% is not that much. But look what happens when we expand it out to a five-mile radius. By the way, uh, some of you come from much farther than five miles away, and I am always amazed that you do and blessed that you do. But statistically speaking, the largest number of people, the greatest potential we have to reach the largest number of people is within a five-mile radius of where the church currently exists. Y'all with me? All right. Here's a five-mile radius. You can probably see the airport down there in kind of the left lower-hand corner. That's Umstead Park beside it. So you could really say almost a quarter of that area, nobody even lives. Five-mile radius, 180 thousand people, almost 181,000 people within a five-mile radius. Man, you, look, look at all this stuff over here. If you shift that circle over just a little bit, you're looking at a quarter of a million people, 180,000 people. Now, let's, let's do our math again, see if I can get, well, 180,000 people, 10% would be 18,000 people, right? 10% would be 18,000 people. Well, no, he, just, he said 3,000. So, 1% would be 1,800 people. So we're saying that cross-culture can reach just shy of 2% of the population within a five-mile radius of this church. 1.78, I don't know, I'm making up a number, but <laughs> sound it more official. Less than 2%. Now, when you look at it that way, I don't think 3,000 people seems like that unrealistic of a number. But here we are, four years later, still trying to break 200. I'll be honest with you. Selling this vision was a lot easier four years ago. It's hard four years later to kind of keep the troops motivated and say, listen, this, this, is, this, is, what, this is where we're going. This is what we got to do. There's just too many people to not to, there's not to not reach there's no reason why we can't accomplish this as a church and it's, it's kind of it can be more difficult to kind of keep the troops motivated and keep everybody saying okay yeah I think we can I think I think we can do that I think we can see God do great things now I can stand up here and and give you uh, reasons why I think our our growth at times has been hindered and and things that I think we pro- possibly could have done differently and that's why I, I think I could probably stand here and I could do that but here's the thing here's the thing here's the thing Vision is forward-looking. There's no rear-view mirror on the vision bus, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I'll be honest with you. Some people have gotten off the bus for whatever the reasons are in the course of our four years of existence. But the bus must move forward. Because a, 
180,000 people live within a five-mile radius of this church. That's, that's just the statistical fact. So, we need to refocus our vision. How do we do that? What does it take for a vision to be seen? What does it take for you and I to say, we watched that. We, we, we were part of that. We saw that happen before our very eyes. We, we saw what God did. What does it take for a vision to be seen? I want to give you just a few things real quickly this morning. And then we'll be out among those people in a few moments. Here's the first thing I want to bring to your attention. Here's what we need. We need faith. In order to, for this thing to be seen, in order for this vision, and I, listen, I'm just being as, absolutely as transparent with you as I can be when I say to you that it's, been, that it's harder to keep, to keep selling the vision. It's, 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 there's a lot I could do. I could do a better job of it, that we could do a better job of it as, as, as elders, as the staff of this church, everybody. But, but there has been a temptation to, to lower the expectations of the vision. And then... When I was thinking about that, you know, it's kind of, kind of embarrassing. 3,000 people, you ain't even, there's only 200 in here. It's a temptation to, to lower the expectations of the vision. And then, I think, God kind of said to me, huh, now, has the population gone down in the last four years since y'all started this thing? No, Lord, the population hasn't gone down. It actually, in fact, even, even through the economic crisis and everything that the country has experienced, uh, this area has continued to grow by about 3.1%, I think it is, over the last four years. Three, three, a little over 3% per year that's continued to grow. So, no, Lord, the population hasn't gone down. Huh. Well, has the number of people that need a relationship with me gone down in the last four years since y'all started this thing? That would be a negative, Lord. There, there are, in fact, more people in the last four years who have been born or live in this community that need a relationship with you. I see. So the population has gone up. The number of people needing a relationship with me has gone up. But you're going to lower your expectations. You're going to shoot for less people rather than more. Hmm. Faith. Faith. Here's what that means. Belief that God wants to do this. Now that may seem like a strange thing to you, but, but I, I've actually had people say that to me. Well, maybe, maybe, it's, not, maybe it's not God's plan for cross-culture to, to get that big or to, to reach that many people. Well, let's, let's look at his word. Let's, let's look at a few passages of Scripture. Let's start in Ezekiel chapter 18. Do you think that I like to see wicked people die? Now, this is God speaking at this point. Ezekiel chapter 18. Do you think I like to see wicked people die? People outside of a relationship with me? Says the sovereign Lord, of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. That's the heart of God, ladies and gentlemen. That's the heart of God. How about this one? Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Come. Let us discuss this, says the Lord. Let's talk about this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, 
they will be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they will be like wool. Now get the implication of that verse. That's God approaching us and saying, listen, listen to me. I want to I wanna sit down. I want to talk with you about this. I want you to, to know that your sins can be forgiven, that you can come into a relationship with me. Listen to the heart of God. How about this one? Matthew chapter 11. Uh, come to me. This is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me only... A few, come to me only those that I like. Come to me only those that I've already chosen. No, come to me all of you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Listen to the heart of God, ladies and gentlemen. How about this one, Matthew chapter 18. So... It is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. It's the parable about the lost sheep. It is not the will of your Father that one of these would perish. Matthew 23. Uh, Jesus, is, as he's, he's coming into Jerusalem, he's, he's, this is towards the end of his ministry. He's not long from the cross at this point. And he comes over the hill and he, and he looks and, and he was looking at, uh, at the city of Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were unwilling. Listen to the heart of God. And then maybe this verse you've heard of. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Does God want to do this thing, ladies and gentlemen? Man, you'll have a hard time convincing me that God does not want to reach all 180,000. Now, I know some of those 180,000 people already have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and they're probably strong, vibrant Christians walking with Jesus, all that kind of stuff, but I also know that a very high percentage of them are not. And when you read those verses and multiple other verses, you cannot escape the fact that this is the heart of God. Does God want to do this? Absolutely. We have to have faith. All right. Belief that God wants to do it. Second, belief that God can do it. Oh, I know. This is what we say. Oh, yeah, God, he can do anything. But many times we don't actually believe that. Or I'll say this, we, act, we don't live like that. And I, listen, I'm confessing this myself at times. I struggle. God, are you going to do this thing? Here's the vision, but what, what's happening? Are, are you going to do this thing? Is God, is God actually going to do this thing? You and I have to have faith. If, this, if, if, if you say, man, I believe in this thing. I, I, I believe in glorifying God through growing in our understanding of what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus while growing numerically, while growing in the number of people that lives are being impacted. Belief that God can do it. Can I just remind you? Can I just remind you? I know you know this, but look at this verse. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. God doesn't get worn out or worn down or tired. God doesn't have a certain amount of, of spiritual power that he wants to pour out on churches. And, and only, and only uh, uh, Providence and Summit Church, they got, all, they got all the energy that God had and that was it. Why would we not believe that God would desire to do this with any group of people that would say, 
I want to invest my life there. I want to be a part of kingdom work and seeing lives changed and seeing eternal destinies changed. I can can get behind that. I I can invest my life in that. All right, here's another one. Again, just remind Jeremiah chapter 32. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? It's vision, ladies and gentlemen. Faith that God wants to do this and faith that God can do this. Now, tied to faith, here's the, the second idea that we need. We need faithfulness. Oh, we need faith. Absolutely. We need, oh, God, God can do it. And by the way, we could, we could have looked at dozens of other passages of Scripture that deal with the, faithful, the, 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 the importance of our faith and how God can do anything and accomplish all these things. But tied to that also is the idea that, ladies and gentlemen, we must have faithfulness in this work that God has called us to. What does that look like? Well, it looks like this. Focus on what God wants instead of what I want. In a few weeks, we'll look at our DNA, our defining non-negotiable absolutes. And, and you'll, you'll hear some of that in there. That we started this with the idea that, that we're going to design this church in a way that we want to try and, and create a, an environment in a church where a person without a relationship with Jesus Christ could, could hear about it, could hear about this Jesus, could come into this place, could experience a, a, a worship service, could experience the people who are cross-culture. And then God could use that to bring in a relationship. So, quite honestly, some of the things we do in here, you may not like. Some of the way we do life groups or, or the worship style that we use or, the, or, or whatever it is. The venue that we meet in. Some of you say, ah, you know, I, no, I, it's, I'd rather have stained glass in a steeple. Or I, I'd rather have, uh, I don't know, whatever. I don't know, whatever. But we have to understand, we have to focus on what God wants instead of what I want. And so, we have these verses for you to look at. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Faithfulness. Never tire of doing. Do y'all ever get tired? Do you ever get tired of, if you're here, if you're part of the regular cross-culture family, maybe some of you are new and you're just figuring this thing out or look, checking it out. But some of you have been at this thing for a while now. Some of you are working back there and see two kids and give tirelessly and all this stuff. Some of you work on set-up crews or tear-down crews or greeters or work in the cafe or uh, teach a life group or, or, or try and recruit life or what some other way that you serve. And at times it's like, huh, man. Paul encourages us to not ever grow tired of doing what is good. Here's another one. Hebrews chapter 12. For consider him, meaning Jesus, who endured such hostility by sinners against himself. Why do we need to do that? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Faithfulness. Then one more in uh, Jesus' letter to the church at Ephesus, his opening commendation to them and you have perseverance and have endured for my namesake and have not grown weary faithfulness a focus on what God wants and not what I want listen to me I am unbelievably aware of the efforts and the energy that so many of you put in to making this church a reality day in and day out I am acutely aware of the sacrifices that you make I pray for you on a regular basis I know the struggle that it takes at times to try and figure out, well, I want to do the right thing with God, but I've got this to do and I've got to be here at this and I've got this many bills and I, how do, you know, I, I'm acutely aware of all of those things. 
And I am profoundly humble that you would seek to be a part of this and would believe not only in my leadership, but the leadership of the elders and the leadership of the staff and the leadership of your life group leaders and the leadership of people that say, God is taking us somewhere. God wants to use us for something and we're gonna identify with that. We're gonna come alongside of that. We're gonna be a part of that and we're gonna see God glorified in the process. I know it gets exhausting at times. I know that you, that you give until you feel like you don't have any more to give, that you, that you serve until you don't feel like you don't have any strength left, that you, that you give your time, that you don't feel like you even have enough of the time. And all I can say to you is thank you, but please know that it's not about what I want or what you want, but it's about what God wants. And when you're faithful to what God wants, God will bless you and reward you for your faithfulness. All I can tell you. But you got to have a vision for where we're going. Focus on what God wants instead of what I want. And then second part of faithfulness, to focus on others and not on myself. Oh, that is so much the temptation, at least for me personally. Maybe y'all got it all together and you spiritually never struggle with this. But to, to, to focus on others and what they need instead of focusing on myself and what I need or what I want or what I think or what I like or what I, whatever. But to say, no, 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 no. This is not about me. This is about God's desire to reach other people. I want it to be about them, not about me. That's what we have to say. And of course, God's word speaks to it. In Isaiah chapter 52 Look at these words. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. I I don't have no idea what y'all's feet look like. (laughs) Most of you. My wife's feet look good. But God says the feet of those who deliver good news. Listen to me. Every time you show up. To work or serve or greet or say hello. Every time, you, every time you, you give, every time you take the opportunity, every time you do all of the stuff that you do around here and, and throughout the week, God says, your feet are beautiful because you are delivering the good news. Uh, one more, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. But before people can ask the Lord for help, they must believe in him. You, you can't. You can't ask somebody for help that you don't even believe in. And before they can believe in him, they must hear about him. Well, that only makes sense. And for them to hear about the Lord, someone must tell them. And before someone can go and tell them, that person must be sent. It is written, how beautiful is the person who comes to bring good news. Paul borrows from Isaiah there. Are there other churches in a five-mile radius of this school? Absolutely. Are they trying to reach those 180,000? I hope so. But I, I, I don't, this is where God has planted me. This is what God has asked me to do. And this is our responsibility. And so this has to be our vision. This is what it looks like. To glorify God as a diverse mix of people. We talked about that. That's in our name. You go back and look at that. As a diverse mix of people. Young, old, white, black, rich, poor, Whatever. Sharing our lives together and growing in our understanding of what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus while growing numerically to at least 3,000 attendants on the main campus with satellite campuses placed strategically throughout the RTP community. 
and elsewhere to engage our culture with the claims of Jesus Christ. There's so many other places. There's so many other five-mile radiuses, ladies and gentlemen. And it's not just here. It's, it's all around the world. That's why we're engaged in work and missions all over the world. But it starts with a vision. I know some of you are new here. Some of you haven't been coming very long. We're so blessed. God brings guests almost every week, and we're grateful. Let's be honest with you. We, we need people to say, you know what? It's not about me. Oh, I, I, don't, I didn't like that, or I don't like those seats, or it was too cold, or it's too this, or it's too whatever. We need people to say, I, 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 I want to do this. I want to be a part of this. I, have, I can see this vision. I can see what God wants to do. I can see the lives that can be changed. I believe in what cross-culture's vision is, and I want to come alongside, and I want to be a part of it. That's what we need. Not for us. Not so that we can say, woohoo, look at us. We got 3,000. Listen, it's hard enough keeping y'all corralled when we're trying to get to 200. So it's not going to be any easier when it's 3,000. That's not, that's not the point. The point is, Tyler, can you bring me that, can you bring me that five-mile radius map again? The point is, every one of those homes, every one of those families, every one of those lives will spend eternity in one of two places. We can either sit back and say, well, you know, we're good. Or we can say, God, we'll go after them. We'll do whatever we have to do as you go with us because we see a vision for what you want to do, God, for your honor and for your glory. That's a bold vision that we've heard about today, but we believe it's a vision that glorifies God, and glorifying God is at the heart of what we want to do as a church. God has clearly commanded us to go and make disciples. Cross-Culture Church is committed to doing just that. Our society seems to be drifting further and further from God, and a church has to have a vision for reaching into our culture and showing and sharing the love of Jesus Christ. We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh. But instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.